Sorry to disappoint you So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like I make mistakes Like, lots of mistakes I'm just trying to do the best that I can do I guess I'm just imperfectly human Welcome back to another episode of the Imperfectly Human Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Daly, and this is a transparent walk with me. So join me as I uh, journey through. Um, We've got a lot to talk about, some fun stuff to talk about this week. Uh, This is episode two of season three. Hope you enjoyed the first week back. I know we've been gone a while, but we're back. We're back. Consistency is back. So, before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. I don't know where you're listening to this on. You could be listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this show. I would like you to take some time out, scroll back to the main page, hit that subscribe button maybe even leave a review um you know look i welcome the honest feedback but the platform the platform needs the feedback the feedback is what helps us grow um and the feedback is what gets us noticed by the major platforms so i would appreciate the review i would appreciate the subscription um you know, do your thing, help your boy grow. So, <laughs> hey, this week, this week, we're going to kick this show off with some daddy dilemmas. Well, I say daddy dilemmas. There's only one dilemma I'm going to talk about right now. Um, so I got, I got a big family. Let's, let's, let's say that, you know, your boy's been busy. Um, I've got my three, three daughters and my son. And um, my third daughter, <laughs> my five-year-old. Listen, listen, people. I've been bullied by my five-year-old. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. I, I'm being bullied by my five-year-old. This this girl has got me on the ropes. Um, I don't understand what's going on. So let let me be let me be more specific with what's going on. So. Of recent, I don't know how we got here, so let me put some context, just because I, I don't want the internet going mad, going like, you know, um, I ain't trying to ruin my reputation here, people thinking I'm going around here with dry feet. But what happened was, see what had happened was, <laughs> um, there was, there was, I can't remember, I think it may have been when I was, um, doing some construction work in a house and um, I must have come in and I must have taken off my shoes and socks and your boy's feet were dry let's 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 be real your boy's feet were dry and that was the beginning of the torment I mean this girl has been relentlessly relentlessly hitting me with um, just 
jokes. She she's got jokes for days. Um, they started off basic, you know, kind of what I would expect from a five year old. That that's that's cool. Um, you know, oh, daddy, your your feet uh, your feet are as white as the walls. Well, like, yeah, I could take that. I could take that. Oh, daddy, your feet are as as white as snow. Oh no, it was like. Your feet are as white as Elsa's snow because she's she's into Frozen or at the moment or whatever. Your feet are as white as Elsa's snow. Okay, cool. Then she starts getting creative. She would I'd be saying something and she'd be like, mm, "Yeah, but Daddy, you can't talk because your your feet look like your laptop screen, or, or your feet look like the background on your laptop screen." And I was like, "Well, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." You can't be you can't be coming with at me with shots like that. Um so that was that was the other one. Um oh, I'm trying to remember them, but this girl gets creative with these disses. I'm like seriously, I'm 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 really out here getting brushed by a five year old and um, I think there was one day I tried to, uh, you know, I tried to hit her with a comeback. And let me not, let me not lie, she's got come, comebacks for days. Like, as soon as you say something, I don't know, I don't know what it is. This girl's just built different, but she's got comebacks for days. So as soon as you say something, she's already got a comeback lined up. I don't know whether she just lays in her bed thinking about what she, you know, like, okay, I'm going to say this. He might try and say this. And I'm going to navigate and I'm going to move over here. If he says this, I've got this response. I don't know. This girl might be up all night strategizing how she's just going to break me and break me down. Because she, this girl is relentless. She, she just goes for me. Everything is about my feet. I can't say anything. Oh, but your feet are so dry. Your, so, your feet are so dry and they look like this. Your feet look like this. Your feet look like that. I'm like, chill. I tried to come back, tried to say something, you know. You know, I, I, look, look, I, I can be petty. I'm not going to front. I can be petty. And I, I was like, okay, the onslaught is on. I'm losing this. This girl is taking me out. Relent. You know, she's not relenting. Every, every day she's got me. I'm going to say something. So I'm gonna so I must have said, oh yeah, but you look look at you with your little dry lips. Um and then she she paused and she stopped and she was like, Daddy, that's not something fathers are supposed to say to their daughters. And she had this look on her face, um, <laughs> as if to say, Why would you go there? Why would you say something about me? Why would you respond? Why would you even lower yourself? to to get into a back and forth with a five-year-old that's what she looked at me like and I started to feel guilty and I was like oh okay um and then she went anyway and your feet look and then she just went off and I was like what did I do to deserve this I mean I'm a good guy I'm a good dad I look after her I take her places I buy her stuff we have fun. We watch movies together. We do, um, we do daddy daughter things. I, we have a good time. I buy 
I buy her. Look, I buy her a lot of stuff, but um, let's not let's not go there because that's probably part of the bullying as well. Because this girl knows how to um, wrangle me into buying random stuff. I think her older siblings laugh because they know every time I go out with this girl, we're gonna I'm gonna come back home, and she's gonna have something new in her hands. We might have just gone out to get some food and she will come back with a soft toy or something because she has managed to to pry my wallet out of my hands it's not like she's actually going and pay for it she's just like she's managed to get me to get my wallet out and buy her this thing so i don't know are there other guys in this position are there other fathers that suffer an endless assault from their precious little princess. And don't get me wrong, my older girls are my, my little princesses too. Um, my little boys, my little prince. Um, you know, it's just, I can't go around going, I can go to my, my 18, well, she's going to be 18 soon, but, oh, daddy's little princess. She would just look at me like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Listen, don't, nah, nah, don't, don't, don't go saying that. Um, but yeah, they are, they're my precious little princesses, all of them, but has anyone got a five-year-old or a child in that age range, a daughter in that age range that torments them and you can't say anything back? You just have to sit there and take the insults and... I'm going to start cataloging these. These might become a little segment called Guess What She Said This Week. Because every week, um, every day, there is something about my dry feet. We're going to stop there. If you do, if you do have, um, you know, if you do have kids that are tormenting you like mine are, if my, look, hit me up. Um, at DY Daily on Instagram, at DY Daily on um, Twitter. Uh, yeah, reach out, hit me up, let me know, let me know, let me help me feel better, so that, so that I I don't feel like I'm the only one that's getting you know getting tormented by their child. Anyway, um, I realized last week that. An hour and a half of you listening to me can sometimes be a bit challenging. So I'm going to set myself a goal to try and keep the podcast to a reasonable length. Because I know some of you are trying to do this in between stuff. You're jumping up, you're jumping in between activities and tasks and um, maybe taking kids to, um, to you, know, you might be on a school run. You might be in between uh, football, basketball, whatever it may be. So I want to make sure that, you know, you can enjoy your listening experience and you don't have to chop this up into like 15 pieces just to listen. So I'm going to try and be a bit more um, conscious of time because last week I know I had a lot to say and the time ran away with me. I'm not going to let that happen this time. So I'm going to be a bit more consistent with timekeeping and making sure we stick to schedule okay moving on 
Daily perspective. So this week. Well, I say this week has been more than this week. It's been, I think it's been on for the last couple of weeks. Anyway, for anyone that hasn't been sleeping under, under a rock, you would have seen um, a show or it's not just a show, but it's been in the news. Um, but a show that, that spurred it all on, that brought it all to the forefront was a show called Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. But this is... This post office scandal has been going on... Oh, best part of... 20... It's coming up to... I think it's coming up to 25 years. 25 years. So, back in 1999... The post office commissioned a new accounting system from, um, well, clearly they would have put it out to tender. I believe the winning bid would have been, was Fujitsu, Fujitsu developed this system. The system was called the Horizon Accounting Software. Um, they implemented it, deployed it. Now... Between 1999 and 2015, over 900 sub-postmasters were prosecuted for theft, false accounting and fraud based on the information that um, was coming out of the software. So they would go to submit their transactions at the end of the day or the end of the week, whatever it was. And the system would be like, uh-oh, there's a shortfall in cash. So they would probably, you know, they would check it over and over again and be like, this still make no sense, but the system is telling me that there's a shortfall. They would make the phone calls and say, hey, what's going on? The system tells me there's a shortfall. I can't see this. Am I doing something wrong? I'm following all the instructions. I'm doing everything as it's telling me to. It's telling me there's a shortfall. Long and short of it. These people were then uh, told, no, the system is right. Clearly, there's money missing. You lot are trying to ting. You lot are trying to, uh, you're trying to jack the post office and you're trying, to, you're trying to scam and keep, make some money. You're stealing the money. You're falsifying accounts. You are committing fraud, basically. So... A ton of these people were then prosecuted over these things. Some, um, some committed suicide. Um, some people lost their jobs. Some lost their houses. Uh, some were financially ruined. And some were even put in jail. So around 2013... Um, some postmasters started to raise their concerns and they were like, hey, something's not right, something's not right. This can't be, there can't, 900 people cannot be colluding together to commit fraud. Uh, or, you know, or 900 people were, could not independently be committing fraud all doing the same exact thing. Too much of a coincidence. Um, so everyone, you know, everyone started complaining 
investigations kicked off, legal proceedings um, started to kick off. And people were like, no, something, something is not right here. We've raised this. We've, we've been going on about this. We've been saying that this thing isn't right. It's been over 10 years. Um, someone's going to have to answer to, for this. Someone needs to explain what is going on. This thing doesn't work. This thing is mash up. You're blaming people. You're putting people in jail. You're ruining people's lives. We don't believe people are doing this. We believe this is the software. So, um, and in all, amongst all of this, the post office, um, senior leadership within the post office were standing behind their argument that there was absolutely nothing wrong with the software. Saying, it's the sub-postmasters, these guys are crooks, they're criminals, prosecute them, lock them up, throw away the key, all of that stuff. Um, so, fast forward, I believe in 2019, there was a, there was a settlement. Um, so, yeah, there was a group litigation that was brought. So I think it's a group of 555 sub postmasters. Um, they brought a lawsuit and um, they were awarded 58 million out of court settlement. Um, but by the time the legal costs were deducted or and everything, I think each person got 20 grand. But this was by no means compensation for what they'd suffered. I mean, some people had been to jail. Um, some people had been made bankrupt. Some people had lost everything. Some people had lost their homes. All of that stuff. 20 grand was not going to bring that back. Then that made no difference to the fact that these guys also had convictions. So even though some people were not... Um, imprisoned they still had criminal convictions for fraud theft false accounting etc so that 20 grand does not so yeah you might have got a 20 grand settlement but you were still on paper a criminal you still had a criminal record so people felt hey this is this isn't enough anyway fast forward a couple of um a few months and in 2020 february 2020 um, a government inquiry starts and that government inquiry um, starts to look at the how the whole thing was managed um, how did we end up where where we were um, what would us <laughs> I, I hear this thing so many times but the systemic failures that resulted in these people being convicted um and you know it was clearly it was seen there this there is no complete resolution to this and until the truth is fully uncovered these guys haven't really had justice now the interesting thing of all this was this was all going on quietly in the background um, I don't, I don't believe 
I don't believe this was this this was not never big news. They just allowed this to bubble in the background because as far as they were concerned, they wanted to justify it as though these individuals had committed crimes. Now the um I believe the public inquiry is still going on. Um, but what's made things more interesting, obviously, was this show, Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. Um, now, the central narrative of this documentary or docu-series, uh, it's not even a docu-series, sorry, it's a drama. It's a four-part drama series that ITV commissioned and put together. Um, it centers around Mr. Bates, Alan Bates. And it's about him leading the fight against the post office and seeking justice. Um, now, the, I, let me be honest, I have not watched it. I know the story only because it happened during my time. And to be fair, I'm, and you know, you may agree, you may disagree. Um, but I know enough of the story to know that that what happened was dead wrong, and I'll I'll explain why I why I my my views are such. But um, it basically depicted the struggles of the sub postmasters that were wrongfully accused, and everything they faced, and what happened to them. Um, financially, emotionally, um, the social damage. Because some people, some postmasters, had to their kids were being bullied at school. They they were their houses, you know, they were being tormented in their houses. They had to leave. They had to move homes. Um, it was it was that bad because they were painted as being criminals. Now, if you know the post office, the post office is this thing that's been the uh, somewhat the cornerstone like you can go to if you want to live in a village in the UK go and live in a village and the, the the first thing people say about these little quaint villages is oh it's one of those villages that has just one shop a pub and a post office you know the post office has been like a cornerstone of society in 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 England for a long time it's Old people go there to do their, um, collect their pensions, all of that kind of stuff. So immediately, as soon as you start say someone start to say that someone is defrauding um, the post office, people are going imme- to immediately think, "Oh, they're defrauding me of my pension," or they're going to link it to something because it's a it's been part of the fabric of British society for a long time. Now. Many people will not have known the, the, the true story because we only know what we're told in the media unless you work in the industry or unless you understand how these things work. Um, you're not privy to the detail because a lot of these things are um, protected by non-disclosure agreements and um contractual rules that that ensure that people cannot speak about certain things and only when 
the public inquiry or a legal case is brought and say someone is convicted, then that's when things start to come to light. So um, people won't have really, really known the details of what these guys faced. But as you start to look into it, as you start to, um, you know, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with the, with um, IT, the IT industry and software development and all of those and what comes with it, um, watch it, watch the show and get an understanding of, of what happened. I think it's easy for, for all of us to put ourselves in their position. If you found out, you knew you were doing everything right, but this system is accusing you or, or saying that you, your money, the money in your business is, that you have, you're managing, the business you're managing is short and you know that you have a responsibility and um, this is something that's going to be watched um, and you think you're doing something wrong and you have to compensate, you have to put it in. These people were putting their own money in to balance the books. Meanwhile, they weren't doing anything wrong, but they were putting their own money in to try and balance the books because they were so scared. They were nervous. They were afraid. Um, they didn't know. No, no one wanted to face criminal prosecution when they were just trying to do their job. So anyway, watch it. Get your own perspective. Understand it. But. I think the show did a great thing in terms of bringing it to the forefront. Obviously, in recent weeks, we've seen that it's been debated in Parliament. They're talking about um, the inadequacies in the compensation that, that the victims have received. They're talking about quashing the convictions for all the sub-postmasters um, because... I think less than 10% had had their convictions reversed. All of them need to have their convictions reversed. And, um, you know, they were talking about how poorly the, it, it had all been managed. The fact that Fujitsu, not Fujitsu, the post office settled out of court with the 555 complainants means that they understand that they were in the wrong. Now, what has come out over the years is that the horizon system was flawed. So this is where I start to get into, because I'm, I'm going to tackle this in two parts. So first part for me, being in the IT industry for over... Um, 20 years when so let, let me just explain so as I work in so I've worked in a number of roles in IT but let's talk about what I do now as in in this in the space of business analysis we work with the customer to understand their needs and to translate this into something that a developer can build. Then we go through a process of testing the system, 
with the uh, development team, um, professional testers and the business to make sure that it is working how it should. We test a number of scenarios. So you could do something called scenario-based testing. Or in this, in, a mod, in this world now where you have, um, there's, this, there's a concept of agile development. I don't want to go into the details because this is not, it's not that kind of podcast. Um, but just uh, let me s- simplify it. With agile development, you build, if you imagine discrete blocks of development, and in each discrete block of the development, you get um, functionality and you build on functionality incrementally. So every block is supposed to make the overall product better and move it one step further towards the final finished product. That's how it works. So you test the functionality in incremental steps now there are two types of um tests that you do um or actually we can go even further than that let's let's because testing breaks down into a number of different spaces you know you you have pen testing um which covers things like cybersecurity and all of cybersecurity and all those kinds of tests you but um you know, performance testing, you know, you might have things like smoke testing, not going to get into the details of all of those. Let's focus on um, system testing, integration testing, regression testing, and user acceptance testing. So system testing, you will test the component that you've built. So making sure that that functionality for that component works as you expect it to. It meets the specifications. It meets the requirements. It does what it's supposed to do. What it says on the tin is what it does. Integration testing. Now, um, let's say part of my system needed to talk to um, a foreign exchange system and we had to build a connection between those two systems. We need to test that that integration between those two systems work. That's what is dealt with in integration testing. Um, I believe the Horizon system would have had to integrate with not only account, um, not only um, some of the core post office systems, it would have had to integrate with central um, other central, other accounting systems and so on. Um, it would have had to, because post offices also handle foreign exchange. So I'm sure it would have had to integrate with some sort of Forex system and all of that kind of stuff. So I believe there would have been a level of integration testing done as well. Um, but that's not what we're focusing in on. Um, it could have been part of the problem. It could have been that the integration wasn't right and that information wasn't being passed between the two systems um, correctly, which lead, which led to um, inaccuracies in the data that, that was being passed from one system to the other. Possibly just speculating um, because I haven't seen the details of what, you know, what caused the issue. But the other part of it 
is uh, so what we talked about. We've talked about system testing. We've talked about integration testing, uh, regression testing. So regression testing is when it when you build something. So when you build a new component, the next block, and you deploy that across the across the solution. You regression test, you make sure that everything else that you have built and tested and that you may have already deployed into the live environment. By live environment, we mean you've made it available for customers to use. You make sure that all of that still works and this individual component still works. Regression testing. So that's the going back and testing all the old stuff that you've built. And then you kind of do your end-to-end test to make sure old and new work together. Um, you then have the concept of user acceptance testing. So, and this is where, this is, this is the bit for me that I believe, this is where I believe someone dropped the ball. Because it's quite easy to for things to slip through the net when you test components in isolation i might test that um i can raise a i can purchase a stamp and um it would it was i can select a first first class stamp um purchase it it will print off the print off that stamp or whatever, and it will allocate the price of that stamp into the end of day accounts or whatever. I don't know the details of how the system works, but let's just assume that it does that. We can test that in isolation, but let's take that individual transaction and let's put it in a real world scenario where it is one of many things that someone may do as part of a transaction. So in user acceptance testing, you would want to see test scripts that define complex scenarios that users would have to go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, Dare I say, I would even expect someone to have um, to, to have written a test that potentially where you simulate a working day and test the system in, in a somewhat pseudo live environment. And it's then where you will see things start to fall out. Now, let's pause that because for me, that is one that was one of the big things that big red red flags for me was that well clearly this system has to have been tested and if testing was conducted properly you should have picked up on the fact that something was wrong um so there's that tie that in with some of the comments that we've heard in court recently where the bosses of fujitsu are saying that senior leadership at the post office knew that the system was flawed 
yet they still deployed it. So clearly, if my assumption is correct, there must have been a number of defects identified during testing. And someone said, hey, these defects are not high enough priority for us to delay the implementation of the system. Deploy the system anyway, and we will fix these defects in live. We will roll out patches. We will do whatever to fix these defects whilst the system is live. If that is the situation, whoever made those decisions is culpable. At the end of the day, you made a decision and that decision, you, you clearly did not follow through on what you said you were going to do. And you've put people in a position where they have picked up the tab for your poor decision. You are responsible. Um, I then decided, so I'm going to pause there. I'm going to pause there because I, I'm not going to jump into it. At the end of the day, we know the outcome of this is that we know that the people that at there were there were big mistakes made by senior leadership in the post office. I believe for um, Fujitsu have to bear responsibility for for this as well. So I would say that there were big mistakes made by leadership at Fujitsu. Um, I think there was um, the project was clearly flawed. Testing was flawed. Uh, flawed. I would love to see um, some of the, the project documentation and see um, the risks that were raised, um, see whatever assumptions and dependencies were made. Love to see their raid log um, and see what they captured. Would love to see whether there was a lessons learned and, and, and just, I would like to see the audit trail of what was raised throughout that project because it will clearly point to where the issue was. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the requirements were flawed as well, because a lot of the time organizations don't even bother with requirements. They think they know, or they just say, we know what we want. We want you to build this. And then they just muddle along and say, oh, that's not quite what we expected. Do this and that should fix it. So you, you then just get this sort of uh, sticky plaster approach to building or designing a system. Whereas if you try to understand what you're trying to solve from the outset, you can write a good set of requirements to make sure that you can test and you can define and build for every scenario. Um, anyway, we're going back into that again, but um, let's, let's, let's pull back. So the other thing I, I wanted to consider was, well, if we look, if I put this, uh, I've already said my perspective that I think there were some mistakes made from a Fujitsu side, from a post office senior leadership side. The other side of things for me is, well, now that you know that the mistakes have been made, you know the extent of the scandal, you know the impact on the individual innocent lives. Um, you know, there were a bunch of systemic failures. Where does the, where does the buck stop? How do you redress these people? 
And if I look at it from a, from um, a biblical perspective, as I like to, uh, just taking a quick one, Exodus 23, 1 to 9 talks about bearing false witness and wrongfully convicting innocent people based on false evidence. Well, this is clearly the case. Um, Proverbs seventeen fifteen says, um, acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. So in this case, again, we find we've con the innocent, innocent people have been condemned. I mean, people have lost their lives, people have lost their livelihoods, people's reputations have been destroyed, uh, people have been falsely imprisoned. Um, Deuteronomy talks about, Deuteronomy 19, 16 to 21 talks about um, doing unto those. So this is where we start to talk about restitution. It talks about doing what, doing unto those who falsely accuse others what would have happened to the falsely accused well we know what happened to the falsely accused they were imprisoned um they had their reputations ruined they were financially ruined well from a biblical standpoint when you bear false witness and you falsely accuse and you and you're proven to be in the wrong it says that you should suffer the penalties that your victims would have suffered or you will you suffer the, 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 the consequences that your victims have suffered. I mean, if we talk about fair restitution in the Bible, when when someone is guilty of let's just say someone is guilty of theft, they're required to restore to their victims sometimes four or five-fold what they stole. Is it fair that these post office, the senior leadership in the post office, um, have walked away with ridiculous bonuses? Um, shareholders in Fujitsu, people in uh, senior leadership in Fujitsu, they've all had wonderful bonuses and you know they've made billions off the back of this. Yet, these people have lost their livelihoods. They've lost their lives. Is that fair? So, what is fair rest restitution in this? Um, I know we're talking about, the, the government are now talking about bigger settlements and, and all of that stuff. But does that really, really balance the scale? I mean, from a biblical standpoint... I believe that justice needs to be served to those who were innocently convicted. I believe that a fair, a fair investigation, a, a, a clear, um, well-structured, and I say fair because the right person the right people, the decision makers, there needs to be an audit trail that gets back to the people that made the decisions that led to this system being rolled out when it shouldn't have been. And those people should bear the same penalties that their victims have had to suffer. That's, that's the way I see it. Now, some people may say, hey, that's a bit harsh, but... I mean, is it? 
Is it though? Is it harsh? Because was it not harsh for an innocent person to have to remortgage their house constantly to the point they lost it? Was it fair that um, someone was so stressed and so worried they decided to end their own life to stop the suffering? Was that fair? Time and time again, we see these large corporations cause harm and walk away like nothing has happened. No one is truly held accountable. Isn't it time that at least at a minimum send someone to jail? Send someone to jail. At least make them give back the bonuses that they've been given and compensate their victims with those bonuses. At least somewhere someone has to be found, you know, to be responsible for this. Justice should be served. The victims deserve justice. Just my perspective. So we're jumping into um, soul searching. (laughs) So soul searching, as I said, this is the segment of the show where I like to talk about uh, what I've been going through or what what I've been reading, things that have been on my mind as I go through my personal growth journey as a Christian, as I um, explore scripture. And look, I'm not going to be, I'm not this dude that's going to sit here and pretend that I've got this perfect walk. Um, There are days I struggle to pray. There are days that I do not pray. And there are days where I struggle to stay um, you know, just to read my Bible, I get distracted by work. Um, I get distracted by life. I get distracted by personal finances, um, the incoming, the outgoing, whatever it may be. These can be big distractions that just knock you off your path. And um, a while back, I was reading Psalm 90, and Psalm 90 is a psalm by Moses. And there was a part of it that stuck, I guess I can say it stuck out to me. Um, And that part said, it was Psalm 90 verse 12, and it says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And I sat back and I was like, well, you know, what does this mean? And it was like, I thought, let me try and dissect it. So we all know, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Teach us to realize how short life is, the briefness of life, the how minute, forgive me as I almost knock over my my iPad, um, but Teach us to 
to realize how short and how fleeting life is. It's a moment of time. And earlier in the scripture, it talks about how a thousand years is but a, is like a fear, a, a, a myth, a mere. Ooh, that was a that was that was a bit of a tongue twister for me. A mere few nights. So a thousand years is like a few nights to God. That is how much. That's how outs how much outside of time God is. Time cannot even exist without God. God does not exist within time. He exists outside of time. So to him, a thousand years is nothing. It's like a blink of an eye. Um, So it says, help us to realize how fleeting life is in terms of time, how fleeting, how short it is, so that we may grow in wisdom. And I was like, well, how does knowing how short time is, how will that make me grow in wisdom? So I, I took, I thought, okay, let me, let me go back. Let me dig back into wisdom. Now, for those who are familiar with my album, I had a song on the album called I Am Wisdom. I Am Wisdom focused on the first, um, first 10 chapters of Proverbs and it was a song written uh, based on those first 10 chapters of, of, of the book of Proverbs and so I went back to Proverbs and I went to Proverbs 1 verse 7 and right there that's where you find a scripture that says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline so I thought, right, this is a good, good place to start. So I took that scripture and I thought, well, what does that actually mean? It says the fear of the Lord. And when we talk about the fear of the Lord, um, it's not it's not about being scared because we can read that literally. But the, the fact is the English language is so limited The English language does not truly give you the full picture of what that scripture says. So I went back. um, Shout out to. uh, So my brother, my brother showed me a um, YouTube video. And that YouTube video was a lady by the name Tiffany Montgomery. um, And she was talking about she she was sharing some stuff. And but. One of the things she shared was this app that she used called uh, Blue Letter Bible. And I thought that thing was so cool. So I went and downloaded it. So I've got to give props. It's not me. It wasn't me. I saw it from Tiffany Montgomery. I thought, cool, I'm going to use that. Boom. Thanks. Shout out to my brother that showed it to me. Showed me that video because I wouldn't have found that app if it weren't for that. So anyway, those are my little shout outs to it. But. I looked at that and as part of that, there is this um, functionality in that app that allows you to look at the the original Hebrew. And um, the original Hebrew, and here goes my attempt to speak Hebrew. 
um <laughs> so this might come out completely wrong but hey hey let's do it so i believe it's yera yehovah reshef dea and that first word yera is what is translated to the fear or fear but when you look at it it's it's not fear as we know it it's it it is reverence it's deep respect deep reverence deep respect we all know jehovah yes that's trend Translated to the Lord, but Jehovah. Rashif, I think, uh, I hope I said it right again. Um, that says, that is the part that says, well, Rashif de air. The air is knowledge. Or also can be translated as, as wisdom. And when you put that reshif with it, that's the part that people translate as, I guess, the foundation or the beginning. So a lot of people translate as the fear of the fear fear of the Lord is the beginning of wis- of true knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you actually look at it, Yeah Yehovah Reshift the air. That's that actually when you break it down and, and look at each of these parts, it actually translates to the respect of the Lord is the choice part of knowledge. Or in other words, the respect or the reverence of the Lord is the best part of knowledge. So or if we want to swap knowledge with wisdom, the respect and order, the deep reverence of the Lord is the best part of wisdom. And when, so when I started to put these together, I was like, okay, so wisdom for me to be wise, I need to, wisdom is that deep reverence of the Lord, knowing that the best part for me, the best part of wisdom is understanding how to revere and respect the Lord. And I guess it's that, well, hey, my life, if my life, if I realize how fleeting my life is, I don't want to waste a moment trusting in my own understanding and trusting in my own way and my own will i would rather understand that by reverencing and respecting the lord i am consuming or i am embedded in the best part of wisdom meaning i revere the lord in my choices i revere the lord in my work i revere the lord in my marriage i revere the lord in my parenting if i reverence the lord in every part of my life that is 
the best part of wisdom. And that will make my short, brief, fleeting moment of a life better. So by understanding my life is short, I need to understand, by understanding my life is short, I need to learn how to maximize what I get out of that short life. And that's why I want to grow in wit. That's why you need to grow in wisdom. That's what Moses was saying. Realize how short your life is and realize that in order to maximize that short life, you need to grow in wisdom. Well, the only way to grow in wisdom is to reverence the Lord and to understand that the reverence of the Lord is the best part of wisdom. And I started to, you know, and I'm still, hey, I haven't got it completely figured out. That's, this is what soul searching, this section is, this, this is what it's for. I'm, I'm spilling my thoughts to you as they come to me. Soul searching is me sharing what I'm thinking about. But what I'm thinking about right now is that for me to truly thrive in every part of my short, brief life, I must learn to reverence the Lord because the reverence of the Lord is the best part of wisdom. So take that and apply it not only to myself in, as, a, as a husband, myself as a father, myself as a man, myself as a community leader, whatever it may be. Apply that reverence of the Lord in every section because that is where the best part of wisdom is. So with that said, let's bring this show to a close. Where are we? The imperfect wrap up. Um, so like I said right at the beginning, daddy dilemmas. Listen, if you got a five-year-old, a four-year-old, three-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, I don't even care. You got a little kid that likes to disrespect. Nah, 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 nah. Let's 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 pull that back. My 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 baby don't disrespect me. She um she just she she just got some words. <laughs> she just um yeah, she's just quick quick with the comebacks. But if you've got a little kid that that likes to to just 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 diss you for the fun of it, let me know. Let me know, man. Um Hit, like I said, hit me up on Twitter at DY Daily. Hit me up on um, Instagram at DY Daily. So I want to hear from I, I want to hear from my listeners on that one. Um, the daily perspective, uh, simple for me. Justice, 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 justice. It is only right that these individuals receive what is rightfully theirs. In terms of restitution for the pain, the suffering that they have had to endure, the hardships that they have had to endure, and that those who have falsified information and falsely accused and um, put these people in a position where they would be, they have been falsely convicted. Those people should suffer the consequences. It shouldn't be a slap on the wrist. Make sure 
that corporations understand that they cannot continue to put people through pain for profit. Simple. And um, yeah, and I'd like to just close it off with, look, if you, I know we're all on a journey and you may be a Christian, you may not be a Christian. Um, but if you are looking to maximize life, this brief moment that we have called life, um, because the Bible does says that our time on this earth is short, but there is eternity waiting for us with, with God. For those who are for those who are his children, those who have called him father, for those who say Abba Father, there is eternity. We will be with him in, in, in eternity. But for this brief moment on this on this earth, if you want to maximize it, it says that the reverence of the Lord is the best part of wisdom. So look at how you can apply that to your life and if you don't know who the lord is get to know it's not that hard you don't have to do anything complicated pick up your bible read and it's a simple prayer to 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 ask god to just reveal himself to you nothing complex um and i hope that more people take this step because we're in time and the time that we are in this world right now, that where we are in human, on the human timeline, let's put it that way, um, we're experiencing some seriously dark times. And I believe we need more people to walk by faith and not by sight. So with that said, I'm going to sign out. I've been Mr. Daily. I will still be Mr. Daily. I always am Mr. Daily. I will catch you on the next episode. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfectly Human podcast. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast. You can do this on your favorite streaming platforms.